When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Couldn't be more proud. Just, um, you know, came, I knew the team was uh, was focused and determined as they have been uh, all season. This is the, a locker room of heroes. We talked about it last night. I mean, we don't, we don't need one or two heroes. We need, uh, we need a whole team of them. It was a great team win. There you heard it, Jim Harbaugh got a team full of heroes, and that's the way Michigan Wolverine fans will treat that team for years to come. Back-to-back wins over Ohio State for Michigan alongside Jonathan Hutton. I'm Chad Withrow. This is Outkick 360. Hutton, Michigan put it on Ohio State in that second half. Uh, What a performance for the Wolverines, and it definitely feels like Jim Harbaugh I don't know that he ever truly lost his groove overall, but it felt like it in some of those years at Michigan. He got his groove back with that win a year ago over Ohio State. And I watched that Michigan team play against Ohio State, and I think this might be the one team that can give Georgia a game. Yeah, I mean, how does Michigan do that again? It's a nearly identical type of performance at the line of scrimmage. Um, Fantastic job in the second half compared to what we saw in the first half where Ohio State led by three, 20 to 17. And the, the biggest question I had, Chad, was can they find a downfield passing attack? They did. They exploited the Jim Knowles defense throughout the entire game. That was the most shocking thing to me. Yeah, Donovan Edwards, uh, 22 carries, 216 yards, almost 10 yards per carry is an instant hero in this series. For Michigan, you had the Michigan players going on the field planting the flag. Yeah, um, I loved when Jim Harbaugh was asked about it, and he said, "You know, what do you think about your players doing that on on the Ohio State's field?" And he said, "I'd love to take that flag and put it in our museum. That it needs to be honored. That the flag they did that. Um, you know, there's there's no needed extra juice in this rivalry game every year, but I do think that Harbaugh adds a little extra element to it, and in a good way for the series. Um, Ryan Day, meanwhile." He's done a good job at Ohio State. They continue to roll right along, taking over for for Urban Meyer. But when you come into a game as more than a touchdown favorite at home, and you come into a game for a second straight year as the favorite and can't get it done, there are a lot of people coming out and saying, this is John Cooper 2.0 at Ohio State, who could win every game except for Michigan. It's very it's unfair to to give him that label right now. Right. After two losses well, the to Michigan. On now. Yeah. But that those are the expectations. That's that's just what it is at Ohio State is you beat Michigan and if you don't it's a failure of a season and that's the way Ohio State fans are viewing what happened on Saturday. Well, I mean I, I thought the Buckeyes were going to win by double digits going into the game because I didn't think they would win the battle again in the same manner. And I mean they had what three touchdowns of 45 plus that's the, the most touchdowns of 45 or more yards on a scoring play in the 105-year history of the game itself. So what the, 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 the passing attack, along with the, the long runs, just gashing them in the second half, and the lack of adjustments 
you know, that was the other big thing, Chad. I didn't think Ohio State adjusted to anything that Michigan did in the second half. And, and meanwhile, uh, the, the route was on. Wolverines went, went in there and they thought they were winning the game. Ohio State, I felt like the backers felt like they were winning. I didn't see a team that looked like they were there to claim it. And that was the big takeaway for me. Michigan went in there and just took it. And it was the same thing we saw last year at the Big House. Absolutely. Let's take a look at my top 10 from the weekend that we uh, unveiled on Wednesday. We're, uh, Davey made one replacement here. Davey just hates the state of Washington and apples. He's never had an apple in his mm-hmm. life. Well, so he took the apple cup out between Washington State and Washington. For the better game. Uh, understandably so. Washington wins at 51-33 to in that game. And we need to talk about A&M and their win over LSU now at number 10. So a good replacement from Davey. Uh, I was not surprised that A&M gave them a game. I thought that was a high likelihood. I am still not sold on LSU, even with the success Same. lately. I just have never fully been comfortable thinking they're going to go on the road and beat people. I, I picked Arkansas to upset them. It almost happened. I did not pick A&M to upset them, but I fully expected this to be a battle down to the wire, that LSU would not run away with this game. Not only did they not run away with it, Hutton, LSU got beat pretty handily in this game by A&M, 38-23. Terrible season for A&M. No other way to – you can't sugarcoat what happened. Very disappointing. Jimbo Fisher has to take a long look in the mirror and make some changes. But that's a great way to end it. Yeah, That shows a lack of quit at the exactly. end of the season that I think is a good sign. If you're looking for a positive moving forward, it's that Jimbo Fisher did not completely lose this group. And now what does LSU look like this coming week in the SEC championship game? That's you know, Do we see the same type of performance where it's just kind of lackluster against a team that's better in Georgia? Or do we see an LSU team that showed up against Alabama, right? Like there's a different – I want to see a different vibe than what I saw in College Station. I was shocked by that. I think they bounce back. I think this is such a season where the teams that are really talented – I do think LSU's got a lot of talent. They've been in the playoffs. They, they've been, there's been quick bounce-back you know? moments throughout, yeah. And they were close to it. Um, I think they bounce back and play well Saturday. I don't think it's going to matter. George is going right. to win that game. But I think you're going to see a different LSU team on Saturday in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It's well, going to be a this? much better game. A&M has three wins against AP Top 15 when they played the team this year. How crazy is that? That's nuts. And, and here's another interesting case as we go through this top 10, Hutton. South Carolina beats Clemson 31-30. to They beat AP top 10 teams in their final two games of the season. This was a disappointing year. It wasn't a terrible year. Yes. Their record was fine. They were 6-4 and four going into that Tennessee game. Not a bad year. Yeah, they had beat Kentucky without Levis. Disappointing because Spencer Rattler – was is this highly heralded recruit. He was an odds-on favorite to win mm-hmm. the Heisman Trophy going into 2021 at Oklahoma. We know what happened. He disappointed. He got benched for a better player, quite frankly, and Caleb Williams. Transfers to South Carolina. The one problem a year ago for the Gamecocks, they were terrible at quarterback. They're playing guys who aren't quarterback at quarterback because they've got no good options at QB, but they still had a, a surprisingly good year a year ago. So here's Shane Beamer. Final two games of the season, not a great year, not a terrible year, but a terribly disappointing year for Spencer Rattler in the offense. He goes crazy against Tennessee. He goes crazy in a second-half comeback win against Clemson on the road against the Tigers. Oh, by the way, Dabo Sweeney, you better not mess around too much and run your mouth too much because this is what happens 
when you do that. You spend the week talking about Tennessee flipping burgers at home during championship weekend and taking games for granted and not showing up and playing at South Carolina. Well, what happens? They face South Carolina at home and they lose the game and lose any chance they have at the college football playoff. Not a good look for Dabo Sweeney, but Shane, Shane Beamer Hutton, Beamer ball is alive and well at South Carolina. Very impressed with I'm that performance the last two weeks. But now, and I'm, I'm getting around to, if you lost to South Carolina this year, that now looks different in the final standings because they're a top 20 team. Well, depend- And I didn't think we were going to say that two weeks depending ago. Depending on when you lost to them. Yeah. You know. Because it's it's still the same team that lost. What was the score? Uh, the the three they previous six weeks points against Florida, they had lost thirty eight to six to Florida. Yes, thirty. They had six. lost twenty three to ten at home to Missouri. Twenty three to ten. Yeah, and they, there was another game mixed in there. They had lost three in a row. Oh um, no! They, they, sorry, they beat Vandy. I think thirty eight twenty seven. Pretty close game. And then they went into that Tennessee game and scored sixty three. And they've been a different team since. So what does this mean for South Carolina bowl-wise? Oh, it's a Florida. I'm assuming an, an outback or you know citrus or whatever they're calling it now. Yeah, Florida. It's who's a lost Florida now. bowl game. Back-to-back games. You have you know Tennessee who would have been in the playoff. Now they're. Will we get Tennessee Clemson now? Is this a guarantee? It's a guarantee if they put Alabama ahead of. I, I think for Tennessee, it's, we'll it's very that. simply sugar or, or orange, right? Based on tomorrow night's rankings. If if Tennessee's ahead of Alabama, Tennessee will get the Sugar Bowl. And Clemson gets and, and, Carolina but, but here's, this week. Here's what's weird about that. Most years I'd say, oh, you want to be ranked ahead of them to get the Sugar Bowl. But I think the for just the country's sake and what matchup you want to see, you want to see Tennessee and Clemson after what Dabo Sweeney said in the Orange Bowl as opposed to Tennessee-Kansas State in the Sugar yeah, Bowl. Yeah. Because it's going to be Alabama right now, Alabama-Kansas State, Sugar Bowl. I'd rather see Tennessee-Clemson-Orange Bowl. Um, Same. But looking at the top 10 and going through some other big games over the weekend, nice win for Kentucky. Another terribly disappointing season. Talked about it with A&M. Not quite as bad as A&M. Still bad. They finish on the right note. They get a banged-up Louisville team who was banged up at quarterback with Malik Cunningham. They win it 26-13. to I was enthralled with Florida State-Florida Friday night. That was a terrific atmosphere. On too. And a great back-and-forth game, Hutton. Anthony Richardson showed some of that promise that we've seen in this game, but it's not enough. And Billy Napier, that's a bad Amen. first season. That is a bad first season. When you look at the teams they lost to this season, pretty much every rival, well, including they, it Kentucky and Vandy, they lose to this year. It should have been a layup to eight wins yeah. for Florida, you know, which would have been based on the way they started and the way they had the hiccup in the middle of the season. You're thinking, okay, that's, that's respectable. You know, It didn't end that way. And then Florida State, consider where we were with Florida State and LSU in week one to where we view both programs right now. You know, that's how we, I think we would have viewed Florida in a similar fashion to Florida State and LSU. Not, maybe not LSU, but you see where I'm going here. The yeah. eight win stands out more next May than it does right now. Uh, you got some momentum. Yeah, I can't say that about the Gators. I can't say that about Florida State. That, that was uh, the way they finished the season. Very impressed with the Seminoles, uh, top to bottom, and what's been a, a competitive middle pack for the ACC. I feel like someone's got to step into that vacuum in the ACC that Clemson has occupied that top spot and no one's been that yeah. close. Someone's got to step in there and compete with a Clemson program. Carolina dropped off that too. Clemson, that there's something off with Clemson. With Dabo Sweeney's comments about NIL, about transfer portal, 
There is something the offensively they've been off all year. I mean, they're gonna they're ten and two. I'm not saying that they've fallen off a cliff or anything like that. They're gonna play for the ACC championship, and they're a pretty big favorite to beat North Carolina in that game and win the ACC title. But something's not quite the same about Clemson. Can Florida State step up into that? The, to me, that now that's the most likely candidate in that conference from what we saw from the, the Seminoles this year. Speaking of stepping up, USC has done that. Oregon had a chance to, could not. Oregon led... Uh, 31-10. to 31-10, and then Oregon State scored four straight touchdowns to win the game on their final four drives. And I'm thinking about where Oregon would be today and where we're probably projecting them tomorrow in the college football playoff rankings versus where we had them after the beat down to Georgia if they just hang on to win this game. They could not do that. It was a collapse. I and mean, they, it, it was. If you want to talk about late season collapses, uh, Oregon losing at home the way they did to Washington, and then losing this game up thirty-one to ten—that's a pretty bad late season. This was two weeks apart. Awful. That's a late season collapse for the Ducks, who, who had a shot to to wiggle their way into the college football playoff dis- discussion. That's not going to happen now. Maybe I'm just saying this because the colors are similar with Oregon State and Oklahoma State. But yeah. I love those two rivalries, Bedlam and the Civil War. I know they've gone away from that. I don't care. It's still the Civil War to me and everyone else who understands the rivalry. Oregon, Oregon State, no matter what those two teams look like, always a game. It feels like it's always – Oregon State's won the last two games in Corvallis. Won two years ago also. They come from behind and win this game. This I is mean, a 9-3, and three, by the way, Oregon State team. I think they finished they, the season with the same record Chad. as Oregon. Oregon State led by four with eight minutes to play and never looked back. And then you had, uh, what, 13 minutes to play. The score was 34-17. to 17. I know you mentioned 31-10. 34-17 with 13 minutes to play in the game, and they lost that game with all the turmoil across college football that day. To be up like that and then to, to give that up, they, they would be right in the mix for a championship. I'm talking like college football playoff berth. For this, after the way they started to the way they finished, what a turnaround it would have been. And instead, they finished the way they started in, in many ways because they didn't show up. Yeah. And again, both teams finished nine and three with Oregon, Oregon State. Mississippi State wins the Egg Bowl 24 22, another wild game Thursday night. Some controversy. Yeah. Ole Miss fans decide to pelt the field, uh, delaying the game for a little bit. It's uh, incredible irony after the uproar a year ago in Knoxville when Tennessee fans did the same thing. Um, the play that was disputed, though, Hutton, it was a very weird explanation in that initially they said it was an inadvertent whistle. And then they go back upon review and just completely ignore, ignore that. that it was an inadvertent whistle. Yeah. They got the play right. It was a backwards pass. It was clearly recovered by Mississippi State. There was no whistle. But if you're going to initially rule the play is dead because of an inadvertent whistle, I don't know. It's like they did all the wrong things and circumvented the rules to get to the right outcome. And I don't love that. That's not a good look for the SEC when that happens. So I can understand some confusion in the stands with Ole Miss, Ole Miss fans, and you know it leads to some intoxicated people throwing some things on the field. Never okay to do that, but these things happen. You had an Ole Miss fan throw a chair at a Mississippi State player who was uh, going to the, the end zone and mocking night. them, and they chucked a chair at him. So... Hey, this is college football rivalries at its best, right? You get a little international soccer flavor to your rivalry matchups, then you know it's been a good night. 
But th- wouldn't you agree that it was the right outcome on the play? Yes. I don't think yes. that Ole Miss was hosed by a bad call. I felt like it was the right call, and they did everything wrong to get to the yeah. right call. And I, 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 I see the good and the bad in both teams in this game. You know, Mississippi State should be a lot better than what they were this season. They didn't play well against the best teams on their schedule. Meanwhile, Ole Miss didn't play very many good teams, period. So I don't know, you know, I don't know how good Ole Miss is, and I still don't really know how good Mississippi State is based on how they play up and down to their competition. Um, so it was, a, it was a good game. I'm still underwhelmed by both programs this year. Yeah, and I just I keep going back to Lane Kiffin's decision to stay. And I totally understand. I, I would have understood either decision, to go to Auburn mm-hmm. or to stay at Ole Miss. But I do watch this season, and I think if this is going to be their route, that they're just going to go raid the transfer portal every year. Every year. And they're going to hope they, they have a Quinshawn Judkins at running back that hits as a freshman in recruiting. And then hope that you catch the right year in that division. Well, and then keep I those just, guys. I, I think keep that's the guys a, that you hit with. That's just a very difficult proposition for a program in Ole Miss that has never been to Atlanta, that's never won that division. And I'm looking at Auburn, and I'm thinking, even with all the turmoil, all the silliness, all the boosters with their hands everywhere in that program, everyone who goes there, other than Brian Harson, who had a very short stay, seemingly has success and goes undefeated or finds themselves playing for a national title. Chad, you're right, because if you're trying to make the, the, the reasoning for getting to Atlanta, this was the year to do it. Because Arkansas was on a put on a tee for you this year, quite frankly. You yep. didn't show up to that. And so was Bama, if you really think about it. The way that game matched up for them this year, Ole Miss should be in Atlanta. And and then you still went on the road, and you had LSU against unbeaten and unbeaten. Uh, excuse me, Ole Miss was unbeaten at the time, I believe, right? Yep. So, um, yeah. So Yeah, Ole Miss went in that game undefeated. Yeah. They, got, they were up early and just got rocked yeah, in the second half of that points. game. This was the year to get there. Yeah. And then they were inside the 20, throwing into the end zone to beat Bama a couple yep. different times and couldn't quite get it done. Uh, Colin, our producers, Notre Dame Fighting Irish, also could not get it done against USC. And Hutton, you mentioned it. Great story. I mean, uh, you can say great story or not. I'm sure Oklahoma fans would disagree with me saying it's a great story with Lincoln Riley and what he's done in year one. But regardless, a terrific job bringing all those transfers and showing that you can go somewhere take over a team that was terrible the year before, bring in the right guys, the right position, and probably play for a national title. Because they were a win over yeah. Utah on Friday night away from playing for a national championship in the college football playoff in year one for Lincoln Riley. Hutton, this is exactly what you pay big bucks for when you go after the big game. If you are a program and you are in the market for a coach and you're going to ante up and you're going to back up the Brinks truck for a coach – and you nail the big game, you're the big game hunter, well, here's the this other, is what you want in year one. Here's the and other that's reality. What they got. This is also why Lincoln Riley didn't want to coach in the SEC. Because in year one at USC, he's going to the college football playoff with a win over Utah. Right? Yeah. Like that, that's, that's the other thing. The other thing, too, and, and look, I, I think he's a, a, a fantastic player. Well, let, let's say it this way. If it's year one, remember all the Lincoln Riley to LSU smoke? If it's year right. one of Lincoln Riley to LSU, he's probably nine and three. Well, much like yeah, and, Brian and, Kelly, and, right? Well, or, or with no chance of the playoff. Yeah, right. But but in reality, I mean, LSU by beating A and M would be in the mix for the playoff right now, based on what we saw this past weekend. So, I mean, I can't say that that Lincoln Riley wouldn't get there in the SEC. Um, but USC and what they, to your point, on what they've invested, they're going to get more bang for their buck there 
immediately and, and maybe long-term based on what USC is capable of doing year in and year out, especially now as they, they expand to 12. Um, Caleb Williams, he's going to win the Heisman, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't, how'd you feel about the fact he would not talk about the Heisman with Herb Street and Fowler, but after every big play was doing like Heisman poses going to the sideline? I think that's stupid. Yeah, I just I didn't think it was a good look. Yeah, I, I don't. Um, I also don't know. You know, he had the um, the expletives on his nails that yeah. were painted in that to Notre Dame. I just I thought that was really strange. I agree. A strange decision. Um, talented kid. But he's gonna he's gonna win the Heisman. I I just thought I, I'm with you bringing that up because I just thought it was two very weird decisions. Yeah, by Caleb especially Williams. if you're gonna win it by default, which is what is happening here. No one's just, really talked about him instead of like, embrace it. Last I mean, weekend. you know, if you're going to embrace it and and do the Heisman poses and do all this, then just talk about it too and say, well, hey, this is why you play quarterback for Lincoln Riley. This yeah. is why you come to play at a place like USC. Of course, I'd like to win the Heisman. I want to win it for my teammates in the season we've had this great year. We want to go win a Pac-12 title. But yeah, I'd be dumb if I didn't say that I wanted to win the award. Um, I, there's nothing wrong with just announcing that's what you're trying to do. Well, keep in mind, though, Utah's already beat USC. Just keep that in mind. True. Because USC did not play good defense this past weekend. We're leaving out that part, and Utah's already won that game once. Unfortunately, though, for Utah, this game will not be played in Salt Lake City, which I think is a big factor. Also, another topic for another day, I feel like home field advantage was even more key throughout this season. In college football. I think it was a big deciding factor in a, in a lot yeah. of games. Um, maybe not so much in the NFL. We're going to get in to the no. weekend that was the NFL when we come back. And we just witnessed the most watched regular season game in NFL history. And no, Davey, it was not Panthers-Broncos <laughs> yesterday. We'll discuss that and more when we come back. This is Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Back on Outkick 360 across the Back. Outkick Network, Chad Withrow, Jonathan Hutton, having a good time today, recapping a long weekend. I'm having a good time. Okay. This is complete hell for me. I know. Hutton. Total hell. I mean, Hutton without his <clears throat> uh, 
without his voice is like uh, Superman without the cape, is like Achilles without the tendon. King Solomon um, without the hair. Yes. Samson also without the hair. Oh, was it Samson? It's Samson with the hair, I believe, yes. If my, Bi- if my Bible history is correct, it's Samson. Um, King Solomon without the knowledge. I knowledge King Solomon had the wisdom. Um, it's yeah, it's 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 rough for you, but you're hey, you're you're gutting through it, oh, and I, we all uh, yes. you know, appreciate that. Yes, uh, and uh, thank you, Chad. By the way, your voice suddenly sounds a lot better. That tea must be working. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> Nothing worked over the week. The weekend, it was the longest Thanksgiving break ever. You know, we worked with someone at one point that worked in radio that had voice issues, and they would have to wear a sign that says like, "Sorry, I'm on voice rest." Yeah. And I was I, I, every time I think back to that hut, and I think. This is a great Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. This is something Larry David could pull off where he would try to wear a sign that says he's on voice rest and can't talk to you just wear it around town to not have to interact with people. Because if you did not want to interact with someone, it's a really good way to do it by saying medically I'm not allowed to talk. It's like bed rest, but you just don't speak to anyone. And you put that sign around. Will you be buying a sign to put around your neck I hope to do I, that? I hope I get an injection tomorrow morning. Uh, what I, I don't need a sign. I need drugs. So hopefully I get drugs tomorrow, Chad, and I'm back to normal. I need a good injection guy. I feel like you've yes. got a great injection guy. Oh, yeah. Mickey Mantle had a great injection guy. It I eventually do, uh, it, it robbed my, him my of a couple worked. seats because he got infected. The injection yeah. did. But I don't, I don't have enough injection people. I, I, I need something like that. Um, there was no injection needed of viewership. For the oh, most watched well NFL game in regular season history, thank you, Giants Cowboys Thanksgiving Day, over forty million people, forty-two tuned in for this game, Hutton on Fox. What a day! Uh, it passed nineteen ninety Monday Night Football Giants Forty ers was the previous record, and this game beat it. So it, this has been close in the past, right? Forty-two millions, the most regular season ever, and it. It's more than just Thanksgiving Day because the Cowboys, they're always in this top 10 list of most viewed games. What made it different is the Giants coming in with their seven wins, the divisional matchup, the magnitude of it, and the markets. And then the, the, the fan base of, of both teams, obviously. Um, keep in mind, though, I, I thought Thanksgiving Day, the games top to bottom were really good. 31 million was the average for the CBS game early in the day with the Bills and, and Lions. And that peaked at 41. So the average and the most watched was 42 on Fox. But the game prior to that on CBS hit 31 million with Buffalo and Detroit as the two markets. That's massive. It's, it's crazy. I, I was uh, at my parents' house yesterday and brought this up about this is the most watched NFL regular season game in history. Really good game. And my mom thought she was really smart and came back and said, well, yeah, that's because it's on Thanksgiving and everyone's home. <laughs> And they're around their TVs. And I, I had to tell my mom, I said, well, mom, the Cowboys play every year on Thanksgiving. So this is still the most watched ever. And there was just a moment of silence. And she's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. I guess that. Yeah. No, I'll never get a you're right oh, from my oh, mom. But oh, it was just yeah, kind of a, yeah. she's kind of moved on to the next topic. Like, yeah, I guess that does make sense. Uh, after she heard it said back to her. Uh, we're going to talk about playoff picture. We're going to talk about some contenders that won big games. But Hutton, there were three bad teams that won games over good teams. Let's start with Jacksonville. Yeah. That was the first time, I think since 2000, the Jags were 0-162, a full Major League Baseball season. 0-162 when trailing by seven or more points the final two minutes 
until yesterday against the Ravens. Well, and, and here's the Ravens blowing another big lead. They became the fourth team in NFL history to hold a two-score lead in each of their first 11 games. And, you know, they have a two-score lead, and they're 7-4. and four. You know, Lamar Jackson, well, we'll get to him in a moment, but um, he's not the one culprit here of why they're losing games late. But they're not making the big plays late, the game-changing plays that just secure a win when you have it in your grip. Uh, meanwhile, Trevor Lawrence actually looked like a franchise quarterback in the closing minutes yesterday. We have not seen that from him either with the two-minute drive. Um, Jacksonville's probably better than what their record indicates. I think the Ravens are probably who they are at 7-4, and four, even though I think they're going to win their division because their schedule is not nearly what it is compared to Cincinnati down the stretch. Um, this is a team that is very capable of, of losing games no matter how much they're up, even to bad teams. And that was the big takeaway yesterday, Chad. That was a game you go down and win. Yeah. It was a, a weird one where it was delayed by 20 minutes because of lightning and whatever. They just uh, that, It wasn't that they didn't come out of the gates fast. They just didn't close, and that's the storyline of their season. And speaking of games you should win, you should win at home when you're Seattle. Yes. Having the season yep. you're having and not give up a career day, 229 yards to Josh Jacobs of the Raiders. That was a fantastic game. Great finish. The Raiders tie it late. They win on the long touchdown run by Josh Jacobs. That's a bad loss for Seattle, who's having a great season, to lose that game against this Raiders team that looked like they were close to closing up shop this season. And to lose at home, not good. Well, and to be gashed the way they were in overtime on that 86-yard touchdown run, uh, Derek Carr, 9-2 and two in overtime as the starting quarterback. There's a lot of uh, guys you know, uh, ripping his overall record. He is money in that closing quarter, that extra quarter. Um, bad loss for Seattle, though, you're right, because of what's at stake, just trying to keep uh, the win-loss record, knowing that the NFC with a chance, uh, even if a, a five or six seed, if you're not going to catch San Francisco – a five or six seed allows you to potentially host a game in Seattle. And I think they're destined for that seven spot right now, the Seahawks. Meanwhile, the Raiders, um, Josh Jacobs, they're not investing in the running back position long-term. That's why they didn't pick up the fifth-year option. It's a huge mistake not to do that, though. And uh, what a way to cash in for Josh Jacobs in a, a prove-it year. He has been excellent, and he cashed in in a big way yesterday. He's going to make some coin this offseason because the, the Raiders aren't keeping him. Yeah, nice win for the Raiders. Bad, bad moment for um, for the Seahawks. The bad moments keep on coming for the Broncos. 23-10, uh, to 10, it wasn't that close. Against Sam Darnold and the Panthers. And you've got in this game Mike well, Purcell, the defensive tackle, screaming at Russell Wilson on the way off the field. And Russell Wilson kind of gave him, okay, man, yeah, I've, I've, I've got it. I'll, I'll do what I can here. Horrible situation gets worse for Denver. So, last place, Carolina. Consider the two circumstances. Carolina is only a game out of the division right now in the NFC South because the other team, the other playoff team that lost was Tampa, lost to Cleveland. So, Tampa's five and six. Meanwhile, you've got Carolina who's worse, but they're beating the Broncos and have no business doing that with Sam Darnold making his start again. Uh, just the third time, I believe, Chad, uh, in his 51 starts that Sam Darnold was not sacked in a football game. Denver could not get to him yesterday. This is as much about uh, just 
poor defensive play, I thought, compared to what's always been poor offensive play this year for Denver. And I don't know if you feel the same way. Denver needs an injury to Russell Wilson the same way Green Bay has that right now with Rodgers because now they can start to evaluate things and not have to put a Band-Aid around and say everything's fine, nothing to see here. Um, they're keeping Wilson. Hackett's he signed gone. through 2028. I know, but Hackett's gone. Yeah. That's my thing. And they've All the talk now is I'm watching a Football Night in America last night, and I think Mike Florio is saying the question is whether or not he gets fired in season or right after the season is over. There's no question about him being a one and done. It's just would they make the move in season? And the thought is no. They're not going to do anything Maybe in not. season. Yeah. There's been two NFL coaches in history that have been fired in the middle of their first season. But there's no before they reach the end of no one season tank, though, because they they traded their pick to Seattle. Yeah. So there's no reason to tank if you want to tank for a pick. Unless you, can't improve. you unless you just want Seattle to have a, Yeah, no, you're right. Right now they have the second pick. That Seattle pick? Yes. Is it the second pick right now or is it the third? I believe it is the second overall pick that Seattle inherits yeah. from, so, from the Broncos in that trade. Yeah, so Houston remains the worst team. I don't know how that game ended up 30-15 to 15 because Miami boat raced them. I mean, they absolutely slaughtered Houston, and it's only a 15-point spread yesterday. Meanwhile, the Bucks, you got to win that game. Does anyone want to win the NFC South? Because I, I look at the Bucks losing in Cleveland, and I look at the way the Falcons had a chance, yes. I think at the four-yard line. Driving, and then you get the tip ball from Mariota. Interception. Commanders find a way to win again. Commanders are seven and five, but now you've got five and seven Falcons, five and six Bucks in the NFC South, and it feels like neither team wants to win that division. Well, the Bucks, I think, end up doing this ultimately because of Brady, but I think it's more about Atlanta not having the ability to win these tight games. Uh, even with their identity, right? Like that, there's something about Atlanta where they're close. They're just not there. Tampa's going to backdoor their way in and have no business hosting one of these first round playoff games. Right now, uh, Tampa would be hosting what Dallas, I think, in the first round, the playoff round, uh, wild card weekend. That's a route. Dallas uh, is one of the teams I, I can't wait to see how they finish because. They've got a Christmas Eve game coming up against Philly that I think could be ultimately for the division. And uh, meanwhile, Tampa's going to be fighting. I think they come down to the final week of the season. The winner in the NFC South will come down to who wins in Week 18. And it's a winner-take-all division and for a, a final playoff spot. Let's take a look at those, at those NFC playoff picture right now, and we can look at it. We'll take a look at it another time, actually. Hunt, another game I want to get into with you. Titans and Bengals. Losing the game with a chance to get the ball back to yeah. win it because you made contact with this, the long snapper on a field goal attempt is a brutal way to lose a football game. Uh, just being honest, I didn't think they were going to go down to score anyway. Uh, so let, let's, put it, let's put it there first. The game, the game, didn't end, the game ended based on that penalty. Um, this is a Titans offense that can't score the football. And... Yesterday, they couldn't score in the red zone, and they're normally great. And they honestly had a pretty good performance from Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. That's the weird thing about it. It's not like a year ago in the playoffs where he's throwing three interceptions, and he's terrible in that game in a 19-16 to loss. This is a 20-16 to loss where he plays well, and they still can't score. I took more from the Bengals than I did the Titans, though, in this game. 
the Bengals yet again stop Derrick Henry and yet again can point to the scoreboard and say, we can match the physicality of whatever you were trying to uh, beat us with, which is how they would have beaten Cincinnati in the playoffs last year, despite sacking Joe Burrow nine times and um, actually putting together one of the best playoff defensive performances we've ever seen. Chad, what they did against Henry, where they held him to zero or minus yards on seven of his 17 carries, um, that is the mentality that I think translates better in the postseason compared to Baltimore. I think Baltimore will win the division. But when you look at Cincy, I would I would bet on Cincy going further in the postseason. Just, it, it, the only reason why, they're going to finish the season. They've got Kansas City this week. Then they've got Tampa, New England, and then Baltimore. Or Buffalo, then Baltimore. Meanwhile, Baltimore doesn't play with a team with a winning record until Cincinnati in the final week of the regular season. So again, upcoming schedule for the Bengals. Chiefs, Bucks, Patriots, Bills, then the Ravens. I think the record is not going to be indicative of what this Cincinnati team can do in the playoffs. And this is the team I would want to avoid on any of those teams that will be hosting the game the opening weekend of the postseason. Because of Burrow, Jamar Chase hasn't been playing, but they've been winning anyway. T. Higgins is playing like a number one wide receiver. They have role players stepping up, making great catches on the boundary. They're making game-winning plays in the tight games in the fourth quarter. The Titans haven't done that against this type of team. And against when I say this team, against the playoff teams this season, Giants, Chiefs, and now the Bengals. So I placed a money line bet on the Bears to win over the Jets early yesterday morning. Then I see the news that Trevor Simeon has an oblique strain yeah, yeah. in warmups. And that he wasn't playing. And that Nate Peterman, right. who they got called up from the practice squad, was going to play. And I'm thinking, well, that's, that's just a, a wasted bet and at then, this point. And then Simeon plays. <laughs> But the story is Mike White, because I'm thinking, all right, I'll take the plus money here with Simeon versus Mike White. Pretty good-bad matchup, right? Both good and bad. Two quarterbacks that shouldn't do a lot, yeah. but a chance to win the game on the road if you're the Bears. Uh-uh. Mike White, 22 of 28, 315 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, 149.3 passer rating for the former Western Kentucky Hilltopper in this game. Terrific performance. Makes life easy on Robert Sala, who had to go away from Zach Wilson because he's been terrible, and he was worse in the postgame press conference, saying he had nothing to say to the defense to apologize for in his performance. His daddy had to send him a text to tell him that wasn't the right way to do it. He came back to his credit and said all the right things. Dude is wearing an earpiece on the sideline, not even available to play for the Jets, completely put away. And Mike White, in game one for now, completely puts away any quarterback controversy. How? He was terrific in a driving rain in this game also. Uh, that, that's the other thing. The conditions play a factor in how I view this performance. How did he not start the season? That's the other thing I'm trying to figure out. How did they go with Flacco? Was Mike White hurt in the preseason? I can't remember this. But knowing what he's done. But also, keep in mind, Flacco had that come-from-behind win in Cleveland. Where right, he saved them late in no the doubt, game. No doubt, no doubt. But, uh, you know, just going, because the, the talk was, should they go back to Flacco? Yeah. And they made the right call. And uh, Robert Sala today telling the media, yeah, until we think that he's ready to go, we're not going to go back to, to, to Zach Wilson. This is the right way. They weren't going to make the postseason unless they made this call. And I don't, I don't even think it really matters which quarterback they would have gone to because I think their identity is still defense and running the football effectively, ultimately. 
But yesterday, by Mike White standards, I mean, this was fantastic. And it's hard to argue against him or what we've seen from Heineke in Washington. Two examples of guys who are just average quarterbacks, good backups, that are playing like starters and allowing the other really good players around them to help win games in what is a down offensive year across the NFL. We talked to Armando Salguero a week ago about this benching, and we compared it to yesteryear when Chuck Knoll would go to Joe Gilliam instead of instead of and go uh, back. Terry Bradshaw and then go back. It didn't really mean much because those were the days where the coach yeah. was a coach and the players played and they didn't think about much else. And the coach told you to do something, you did it and didn't question it. And how now is different in that when you're the number two overall pick and you get benched for someone who's drafted, I want to say like 193 overall at one point, and Mike White, you're benched for good. There may be no coming back within that organization. People in the YouTube chat asking, is Zach Wilson dead as an NFL quarterback? I'm not going to say that. I do think there's indications that he may be dead as the Jets quarterback. You can always get resuscitated and a second life elsewhere. Geno Smith is an example of this. It can happen for you with another organization, but I don't want to be too extreme about this, but the way he's played and the way he's not just made the backup but inactivated, and then Mike White plays like this in game one, Hutton, I think the writing's in the wall that it, this could be time up for the number two overall but pick just, with just, this team. Just compared to the starts, Mike White, three touchdown passes in two of his four NFL starts. Again, two touch, uh, three touchdown passes in two of his four starts. Wilson does not have a game like that in 20 starts. So, and, and that, that was even with the great performance he had last year against the Titans. Was it two years ago? It was last year. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, this is... Last season. Um, at, at best, he's going into camp next year with a legitimate contender to take his gig. And it's probably not White. Right, it's probably another veteran who's coming in looking for an opportunity to start, not named Joe Flacco. Yeah, Tom Brady and the the, the Broadway yeah. lights uh, going to the Jets. By the way, should be an interesting offseason. Your top four picks right now: Houston, Chicago currently has the second pick, Detroit uh, by virtue of the Rams with the third pick, and then Seattle. Seattle's fourth. Seattle's fourth with uh, Denver, of course, trading their pick. Denver would have the fourth pick. Doesn't matter if they want to tank because Seattle's going to end up with that first round pick this year. Notable injuries for your fantasy football purposes Several. coming out of the weekend. That's coming up. This is Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once, it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. We're back, OutKick 360, across the OutKick network. Uh, Injuries are a factor every week across the NFL. Hutton, no different this week uh, with some notable injuries for fantasy football purposes. Aaron Rodgers, let's start there. Uh, MRI on his ribs today. Uh, Still waiting the extent of those results, but um, left last night's game and what was a massively watched game, by the way. I think uh, over 20 million tuned in for this game between the, the Eagles and the Packers. Um, 
Chad, we may see Jordan Love sooner rather than later. Saw him last night. Rodgers is saying that didn't he, play bad last night. He either. wants to stay in until the Packers are just completely mathematically eliminated. But if there's further uh, issues with the ribs and the oblique, we could see Jordan Love th- this coming week. Uh, we'll know more later this week. Joe Mixon is back on track to return for the Bengals, as is Jamar Chase. They could get Chase and Mixon back this week for Kansas City. And Allen Robinson, add, add him to the list of players out for the season for the Rams. So they're out. Cup, Robinson, Stafford's unlikely to play too. So that pick's only going to increase as we, right now the Rams would hold the third pick and they've traded that away. Chances are we could see them with the number one overall pick. Uh, Leonard Fournette, hip injury. He has a chance to be back this coming week, according to reports out of Tampa. And uh, Travis Etienne could have returned yesterday for Jacksonville. Did not. Jags end up winning that game anyway, but that affects the fantasy football rosters out there and what is a very good player for the Jags backfield. So college football hires that have been made so far. Kenny Dillingham at Arizona State. Now Hugh Freeze at Auburn. Um, You got the guy from, uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name, but the dude from Michigan that was an assistant coach at Charlotte now. Nebraska goes with Matt Rule. Wisconsin goes with Luke Fickle. Available jobs. There are 12 FBS openings as of right now. Those openings, Cincinnati, Colorado, FAU, Georgia Tech, Liberty, South Florida, Stanford, Texas State, Tulsa, UAB, UNLV, Western Michigan. Those are your available jobs. We're going to talk with David Hookstead of OutKick when we come back about jobs that have been filled. Wisconsin, Nebraska, notably. He's got to be pleased. We'll talk some Big Ten football, uh, maybe even a little Yellowstone, because David Hookstead talked with members of the cast and writes a review for OutKick every week on Yellowstone. There is a character on that show that I need to die and to die quickly. I want death. We'll talk death with David Hookstead, (laughs) among other things. Uh, Certainly not a lot of talk of death about the Wisconsin or Nebraska programs right now, given these hires. We'll talk about that and more. Hookstead's thoughts on the afterlife coming up. Yes, we'll, we'll we'll get into it all. Philosophy, religion, everything is covered here on OutKick 360 every time we're on air. Hookstead next.